Welcome to City of London Symphonia's podcast, focusing on our participation work in wellbeing settings. The lovely music you'll hear in this episode is made by young people from Morsley Hospital School and CLS Musicians. Over to Fiona from our participation team. Hello, my name is Fiona Lambert and I'm Director of Participation here at CLS and I've been here for the past year. We're looking forward to celebrating 30 years of participation with you in our 18-19 season. Our wellbeing work includes long-standing projects in children's hospitals such as Evelina and UCHL and care homes in North London, hospices in South London and with survivors of brain injuries at Headway East London. And we're also working with young people with psychiatric illnesses at Bethlehem and Wildley Hospital School. Some of these projects respond directly to our artistic programmes. This autumn we'll be looking at Bark and the Cosmos and creating work in response to patterns, music and maths. Our musicians are involved in our participatory work as much as they are on the concert platform and they work alongside a team of specialised music animateurs to deliver the work in all of these community settings. Coming up on this podcast, we're talking to sound artist Gowan Hewitt, who will talk about our work in Headway East London and Maudsley Hospital School, where he's been using music technology alongside our players. Donations from individuals and trusts and foundations are vital for our work across the community and for these projects to take place. And shortly, you'll hear me talking to Zach, our development manager. So sit back and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Hi, Zach. Hi. How are you, Fiona? I'm great. How are you? I'm all right. No, I'm just great too. You're hungry, I know. So at CLS, we have a lot of different projects that we do um, in well-being settings. And I know a lot about them because as a fundraiser, I'm talking about them to people and funders. And you um, are there a lot of the time kind of seeing these projects. So I wondered if you could tell the listeners a little bit about what those projects are. So a lot of our projects have been going for a very long time. So we've been working in hospitals, we've been working in children's hospitals, um, Evelina, UCHL and Great Ormond Street Hospital. And I think we've been there, it's a good 20 years, Yeah, you since say? I believe it was, yeah, the late 90s when we started going to Great Ormond Street. And um, those hospital projects um, have been going for a very long time and are very special to the players because um, they've been leading them themselves. And they go there every week as well. Every week. And there's a really strong relationship, especially Mm. with children who are there regularly um, having dialysis or um, in there for long-term stays. So um, that's our work in hospitals. Um, We're also working in care homes, specifically Mm. in North London, with a relationship with Jewish Care. Um, We've just started a relationship with Headway, Headway East London, um, which is an amazing um, centre for adults who are living with brain injuries, survivors of brain injuries. Mm. Um, That's a new relationship that that we're really um, starting to develop and build upon. We're also working in hospices um, and we're about to go and work in St Christopher's in Lewisham. And, and the big project that we're doing is a residency um, which is lasting for three years in Bethlehem and Maudsley, which is a psychiatric hospital and we're working in the schools um, in Bethlehem and Maudsley with children who are there with psychiatric illnesses. Yeah, and in fact, mental health is a big part of uh, what we've been doing. Absolutely. And, and we even do a similar project um, called Mindful Music, which is... A group of a group of musicians, basically led by Anne Lovett, she leads a mindful meditation. Yeah, 
Um, so she's been going into lots of different settings in businesses, but also just recently we saw her house. We've been working with their members. Yeah, it was very exciting being there. And, um, and I think this is also leading into our performances as well. I mean, you know a lot about yeah. this. In fact, yeah, last year we, um, we did our first dementia-friendly performance in December. Uh, St. John Smith Square and it was it was a, an experiment we had of making the the venue more accessible and, and trying to make the programming more accessible too um, but now we're sort of evolving and just doing more relaxed performance which isn't really specific to um, groups that n need or would benefit from more accessible performance so it's a wider range mm. we did this recently the, the Albany also West London Synagogue yeah and then we had a, an outdoor performance in Brixton yeah. yeah. In these settings, it's obviously we're there because people benefit from from the from the project and our first assumption is that it's going to be the participants who benefit from them. Mm -hmm. uh, but we know a, a wide range of people actually get yeah. a lot out of these projects, not just the participants but also the families, the musicians who are are part of the workshops and sessions mm -hmm. and also here in the office the team. Yeah what looks like success or how can you see music sort of transforming people's lives or you know kind of making a difference i think a lot of the time in these settings it's especially somewhere like headway it's very much about the individual because each individual is different their injury has affected them in different ways so it's very difficult to have a measure of success for the whole group you have to look at everybody individually and i think that's the same in care homes and also in hospices and hospitals across all of the work yeah. it's, it's about the individual because they all have very different needs yeah. and, and, and they're living very different lives so success for one person might be very different to another it's so true like even for funders I find it really difficult to show an observable impact like to generalize the impact across a group of people it's much easier to show a difference through case studies and individuals. Absolutely, impact. and I think in this environment you also then have to work a lot in partnership with staff and teachers. Yeah, they um, feed into it a lot, don't they? Yeah, so that we know what are the needs of those individuals, what, what we should be creating um, to make something that will have a greater great impact on everybody and shaping projects that respond to the needs of the partner but also those individuals. Yeah, not only do we see the impact on the individuals we see, such as at Bethlehem and Monsley, but also the, I'm, I'm sure the families also benefit as well. But even more, the musicians who you're in direct contact with, I'm sure they've, they've shared with you like what it must mean to them to be face-to-face -face with people who, in care homes, for example, or uh, young people at Maudsley, like, that must be quite intense. And I, I, I wonder how it makes them feel to be in those settings. I, I know when I've spoken to musicians at care homes, for example, a lot of them have parents who have dementia. And for them, working with someone who has dementia is really it's, it can be difficult at times, but it can also be quite healing because for them, they might not be able to communicate with their parent. Um, but this one person, they see um, a real conversation opening up between them. Mm -hmm. For all of the musicians and, and team involved in these projects, the different environments that we're going into, you'll be able to connect with that environment in some way or another. This, this work affects you, it affects players, it affects members of the team, because these are all places that members of our family, people we care about, have been in, might be in, yeah. could be going to we could be going to at some stage in our lives. So I think it's a very shared 
community experience so, and it's something I think we have to be very mindful of especially in some of some of the environments where it can really have an impact on people and we have a duty of care therefore as well to support players and artists who are going into these settings just to make sure everyone's all right and as you were just saying it like it really connects people it's a real shared experience like the the participants benefit the musicians do mm. um the families as well but even the team here uh, in the office we yeah. it's something we we care deeply about the issues that we are uh we're working in the settings that we're working in so for example in mental health I, uh, we did time to change which was a mental health awareness day um, in the office we talked about uh, mental health and we did a few activities that kind of helped us destigmatize talking about it to our mm -hmm. colleagues. We also did dementia friends training so we learned about what does it mean to have dementia there are many different kinds of dementias yeah. and I know I personally thought that was really important because it's not just us trying to help people who have problems like I mean it's something that uh, mental health for example is something that we all run into every day of our lives but sometimes finding the language to talk about these things is not really in our daily vocabulary so I think it's important that we live it from the inside out really. yeah the way that we tend to work in these environments is that we all create music together and we have a creative process that we all go through where the artists and the musicians and the participants are all equal they make music together one time I visited a, one of our children's hospitals and uh, in the room were our two musicians and there was a, a teenage girl and her two parents and she was sitting between them on a couch and she had a shaker and uh, they were playing some quite cool call and response stuff but there came a moment just kind of suddenly it, we, there's no, we weren't aware of where it came from but she suddenly became really withdrawn she stopped her shaker she grabbed her parents hands and she just kind of tried to become invisible almost and the musicians they responded so sensitively they they suddenly just changed tack they said why don't we play a lovely folk song from Percy Granger we know you'll love this so they played this fun piece it was really bubbly and I know it's it's kind of tacky to think oh let's play a fun optimistic piece to someone who's going through something tough but at that moment it was the most appropriate thing to do because involving her in something might have been a bit difficult. Mm. So then after that piece, I mean, th or throughout the piece, the girl was at rapt attention. And afterwards, she, she was a bit tearful and she just said, thank you so much. That was exactly what I wanted to hear. And although it might, that moment might not have changed her life, it, was just, it just goes to show how our musicians can respond really um, effortlessly in those situations. activities that we we do in these settings in some of the settings we use music technology so recently we've been using tech music technology on our projects to respond to the modern mystics artistic program so we created some projects that responded to that artistic programming some members of headway came to watch the concert that was in village underground and then we made some work in response to it 
music technology on that particular project was really good way for people with quite severe impairments to engage with the project and take part. So Gavin Hewitt, who was the leader of that project, he was using a combination of technology that included um, iPad apps that you can anyone can just download on an iPad and also sort of sound beams which is like a beam of light that comes from it looks a bit like a microphone but then this beam of light comes down so somebody who has very limited movement can use the movement that they do have to manipulate that beam of light and then that triggers different sounds so then they could become part of that creative music making process as well and be part of the group because I've seen this at Headway but I only came in for one workshop you were there for for the entirety, but um, as you're saying, using apps to sort of make it easier to participate in a sort of music dialogue, what role do the musicians play? So for example, when we go to work in Bethlehem and Maudsley, um, we have a range of instruments, including acoustic instruments like drums and xylophones, but within that will also be iPads which have um, GarageBand apps. Um, downloaded on them so it's very much down to the young person which instrument they'd like to have a go with um, and then we also have professional players in the mix as well playing their instruments to them so collectively we all start to to make music together so the music technology is there but it's not driving it it's just part of it and it's sure. a way of enabling lots of different people to engage in different ways Gowan Hewitt. I'm a composer and workshop leader. I've been working at the Snowsfields uh, Adolescent Unit, uh, which is a school embedded in the Maudsley Hospital uh, with CLS since January 2018. It's been a, a, a case of really exploring uh, how we work with quite a broad range of um, young people who present with, with different uh, access needs while they're recovering and in treatment. We have uh, really based the project around creative music making uh, and making sure that the, there is a, a real healthy uh, youth voice in the process and so that the young people are given the opportunity to explore and be affirmed in their work. One of the real standout things for me um, has been the, the sense that uh, this work of playing alongside the orchestra's players and myself uh, in such a way has uh, provided a kind of a very solid sense of uh, confidence to to these uh, young people. Um, so while they may not accept verbal praise in all cases, I, I got the sense that it was difficult for them to refute that they had the right to be there as music makers and that they had uh, a value in that sense and that they had achieved something that was meaningful and frankly, you know, of, of quality. We're at the beginning of this project at the moment, so uh, you know, developing our practice, but, but we're looking to go forward in the same way. 
Another project I've been working with with CLS has been at the Headway, the Headway East Centre, and they're a, a charity that work with people recur recovering from head injury. So we ran a, a series of weekly workshops there with, with two orchestral players and again focused around creative music making and the group's right to be music makers and uh, I guess this sense of us all lending our musicianship to them as we collaborate in, in creating uh, new material which we then shared at one of their uh, regular Headway Eats uh, food events where the uh, staff and members together cook food and people come along and, and eat together. The two projects ha have similarities and differences. Obviously it's a very different client group in each place but, but I guess what they have in common is that we're working with people who um, have various different access needs when it comes to uh, not just to music making but to, to life generally. It's really important that you're um, present and uh, aware of, of who's in the room and preparing in such a way that you can uh, welcome new people uh, partway through the project and continue work when people are not able to come along. I mean, one of the core differences between the two projects, I suppose, is that there's a sense that the Maudsley work is uh, the beginning of a, of a much bigger project because of the way that's funded, while the Headway project was, at the time of delivering it, was time-limited to this one project, although I know that we're committed to continuing with the relationship. Also, the Headway events, we were more free to move around. So we were able to explore the local area. So we did work with hydrophones in the canal, uh, Waffy, uh, clarinetist from the orchestra, brilliantly put her clarinet into the canal and uh, played underwater. And I was able to record that underwater. So that sense of sort of bringing the project, uh, obviously, to Headway East itself, but also... Uh, embedding it within the local environment. We didn't have that freedom at the Maudsley because it is a secure space uh, and so physically we were much more restricted. One of the lovely things about the Maudsley project, which we, we didn't do at Headway, was um, this kind of uh, reflection in the afternoon. So we all sat around a table and would uh, all share in, in colouring as a kind of an activity that, that brought us together and allowed us to be quiet and present um, but, but also focused on something which allowed us to uh, all have a, a social experience that was accessible to everyone. And during that time, we'd listen back to the edited recordings of music we'd made in the morning and talk about it and make decisions. And it was just a, it was a great social event. Uh, there was a real quality to that space. And, uh, you know, you'd have a real mixture of people there from... Uh, different uh, school staff, uh, different orchestra staff, obviously the players, myself, um, and just you know, a real sense of being there with people, relaxing, being creative, and uh, reflecting on a really positive morning making music. And, and there would be peers of our group there in the afternoon uh, who weren't necessarily present during the, the music making for whatever reason, and it was a great time just to share with them as well. For these workshops, uh, I used music technology alongside tuned and untuned percussion. The reason I use music technology is for a few reasons. Um, one, one of the things I like is, is uh, loopers, so things like looper apps or, or hardware loopers. And, and one of, there's many things that, that are good about that, and, and obviously they're, they're great for accompaniment. But in this, in this setting, um, it allows you to very quickly capture 
and uh, bring back into the room little musical moments. And I, and I think that allows us to affirm them musically and bring them to the group and to accompany them um, almost before the act of creation has been properly acknowledged. And by the time it is acknowledged, then I think we've moved beyond that kind of sense of self-judgment because we're in uh, because we're, we're all playing together along with that loop so um where where it might be if it was more exposed someone might be like oh, i think what i've done is rubbish i think with the looper uh and the fact that the players and the group were able to sort of join in so quickly there's that kind of reluctant acceptance that oh, actually is quite good and I just like the, the quickness of it. Uh, I think there's also something really helpful about how it can make something other as well. So you can take someone's voice and say reverse it. And again, just work very quickly, to, or just little bits of things. Work very quickly to separate um, the sense of self from the act of creating musically, because it can be quite exposing. So we use technology in that way, and it's really useful. There's also other things we use, such as uh, Garage Band, Thumb Jam, that just... Uh, really kind of take the the same uh, tools would use a tune percussion for example picking notes or picking a scale and just bring it into a technological space so it means that people can can play along uh, in key uh, whether it's chord accompaniment or, or melody or indeed harmony um, using just the right notes and and of course people have different musical uh, abilities we can uh, set them up to match that there's also things like we, we used a tenorion in most of the sessions which is a now quite an old instrument made by Yamaha that that sort of is it's almost like a musical puzzle and it's full of lights and um, that went down really well I think again there's just this sense of something to engage with that's kind of mathematical puzzle-like detailed I mean in the way it had something in common with the coloring in the afternoon I guess it's about having a, a broad choice of musical instruments that uh, allow people to engage in very different ways you know we'd have people playing guitars and pianos and ukuleles uh, obviously the orchestral players but then the, the music technology allowed us to use high quality sounds with someone who is not musically confident or perhaps is a beginner really um, allows them to have a, a very uh, equal musical experience within that hour or two that we're doing that work so it gets rid of that idea that music making is for the experts. And that isn't to devalue that, because that's not what we're doing here, actually. But it's just about saying we all have a right to be music makers, and there are many different ways of doing that. It's actually about giving people a broad range of tools. I mean, this is you know a personal opinion, but I, I, there's a thing, I think, with the way we teach music in, in, in certainly in the United Kingdom, and, I, and I'd imagine in Western cultures as a whole, where we've very quickly seem to accept that only only the experts are allowed to play music, that only the people that we consider musicians are. And I think that stops other people from being music makers and, and closes them down. And of course, I, you know, I really believe they have as much a right to be a music maker as anyone else. So technology is just one of the tools we're able to use to engage them. And you know, I'm not afraid to not use the technology. We're not bringing it because it has to be used. It's just part of the toolkit for the day. In terms of where does this fit in with the kind of history of Western classical music and music technology, well, I guess, you know, at times with things like looping, we're fitting in with the, the experiments around, you know, uh, done with tapes, with the whole music concrete stuff, with glass, with Reich, you know, uh, with uh, Gavin Bryars. Um, it, it fits in. We were basing our work on the Modern Mystic series that uh, CLS did uh, in the autumn, which, you know, combined sampling and orchestral music. So, I mean, I think there's a real 
deep um, and meaningful body of work from the sort of mid to, to late 20th century that, that we're really fitting in with there. And of course, also popular music as well. The interesting thing with that classical music is that we, we often consider that it's based on a set of instruments that were set at a certain time, you know, a, a few hundred years ago. Um, and I think what's really interesting and powerful about the repertoire of CLS and that therefore this work we're doing in the community is that we're challenging that. And we're saying, well, actually, all sorts of different instruments have a right to be used. This is the first project I've worked with CLS. And I, I think the thing that's really st- stood out for me has been, well, there's been a couple of things. One has been that the that the feels, feels like there's a real... Um, joined up thinking between the creative uh, work of the orchestra as a whole and where they're going and the creative work we're doing in the community. So it really feels that we're on a journey together and that this work is important and that's uh, and that, that, re- that really comes through, but also that it's that the outputs are important as well. So it's not just the act of making music in the community, but actually this is an important part of the work of the orchestra. The musicians are, you know, so they've all been people that I've met for the first time in these projects, and it's it is rare to find a consistent, you know, a group of musicians who are so consistently able to communicate in such a free, open, and and frankly, a generous way. So, you know, they they've all got different styles, they've all got different ways of communicating, but every single one of them has wanted to be there, has believed wholeheartedly that, that, that this work is important, and has contributed, you know, in, in such a both a humble but also a, a bringing their expertise. So, so there's been a sort of a mixture of humility and brilliance there in all cases. So uh, I think really underlining this this fact that you know we we're all music makers together. I think what makes our programme distinctive is that the players have a really deep sense of ownership over it. And I think that's come from working in this in this area of well-being, especially in the hospitals and especially in the care homes. This work has been going on for a, a really long time. It's led by the players. Um, new players will come on board and they're trained by other players who've been involved in the project for a number of years. So it's something that they hold really dear. It, it means a lot to them. And it's something that I'm starting to try and bring into other areas of, of our work as well, um, this, this sense of ownership. And, and I think that's starting to come through in, in projects like Headway and Bethlehem and Maudsley, that we have moments where the, the players are coming in and working with experienced animateurs and, and leaders in their field, such as Gowan Hewitt, and working alongside him and participants to make music together. So, for example, when we were in Headway, um, we took Waffy, our principal clarinetist, in with us. And for five sessions, along with our percussionist, Tim Gunnell, um, they worked with Gowan as a team to work with members from the centre to make music together. And we had lunch with um, the members there. And there was one particular gentleman who wasn't feeling confident enough to come and join in with the group work. And um, Waffy sat and had lunch with him. We were about to start the second session and we couldn't find Waffy. We didn't, we didn't know where she was. And I eventually found her sort of down the corridor and she was 
playing her clarinet with this, this gentleman who had found his guitar and he was singing to her and playing his oh. guitar and she played her clarinet oh. to him and they just had this really wonderful moment and I just think that says so much about the skill of our players she's who a real passion as well like yeah, it's not she, they're just there to get paid and it's a job it's like a yeah. real like it's a lifestyle and it's a choice and yeah it's and and also the fact that you know that came to us being there over a number of weeks really feeling like we were part of that setting i think what's really important with with this sort of work are, is it's the partnerships that we have and build and maintain and we're creating work that's really meaningful and is having a real impact on the people there but also the staff who are there who we go back to each time we're creating a new project and we're building upon what we've done before and we're taking back players who've been there before and these relationships keep evolving and um, it's enabling us to to create really meaningful work that that's really going to have an impact on the people who are there. And say on that same note, funders have been hugely uh, beneficial in this. Obviously, the work can't happen without funding, but there are specific funders, for example, Maria Marina Foundation, who have been funding us for a number of years, underpinning each of the programs that you've been outlining because they really believe in the impact that we're making mm -hmm. um, in these settings. believe it's 30 years that's amazing we are starting our second year of our residency with Bethlehem and Maudsley we've got a year under our belt now I think we've learned a lot in terms of the way that we're working there and how we can really make sure that we're making the best of that opportunity and and really bring something that is of use to those schools and the young people who are there and we're also returning to Headway our care home projects are evolving, our relationship with Jewish care, um, where we've started to develop a new way of working there, where we are still taking players in there to perform to um, residents in the lounges, but we're also starting to go into um, the rooms of residents who who don't leave their rooms because either they don't want to or they can't. So we're, we're doing a lot of work with residents who feel isolated. We're about to start a project with St Christopher's Hospice and our hospital work will just be ongoing we're gonna, but we're also going to be starting to think about how we can celebrate that more. We have various funders for these kinds of projects, a lot of trusts and foundations, but we also have individuals who have, as they've gotten to know us, maybe they've come to one of our concerts, um, they see that actually a huge part of what we do is in the community and in these well-being settings. Um, but people don't often hear about it as much because it's not a place that you can visit. It's not that there's an audience at these kinds of uh, projects. Mm. So much of this work is happening behind closed doors. And how do we share this work and, and give it a platform um, so that other people can appreciate what's been taking place? And for the people who are involved in the project, those young people, how they can also celebrate it if they want to. Um, so this, um, this term, we are working with Gowan to take elements of the work that's been created in those projects to build an interactive structure of some sort that's going to be unveiled after the concert at the Queen Elizabeth Hall in October. So it's a way of 
of gathering all the material that we've made in those sessions and then creating it into something that other people can can appreciate by interacting with it but also our players will also be playing alongside it and improvising with it too so it continues to have a life. I think taking our players into these environments and where they are having to be very sensitive to the environment that they're going into, the way that they're working, how they respond to the people, the participants that they're working with and to each other as artists. I think that that is so beneficial, not, not only to those participants and to, to the well-being of everybody in the room, but also to the work that they then take back to the concert platform and the way that they then respond with their colleagues and in our concerts. And I think we've all started to, to notice a difference to the orchestra, but also I think the players have noticed it themselves, that going through these experiences together in the community really has enhanced their playing when they come together on the concert platforms, regardless of if that's at the QEH or it's in a care home in North London. Thanks to Gowan Hewitt, Zach and Fiona for appearing in this podcast and to all our funders that generously support our wellbeing projects. If you want to find out more about our participation work in hospitals, hospital schools, care homes and communities, you can find us on Twitter at City London Symphonia, Facebook, Instagram and on our blog. You can also sign up for our monthly email newsletters on our website cls.co.uk. We would love to hear about your own music making experiences too, so feel free to chat to us on Twitter or leave us a comment on our SoundCloud feed. Look out for more information on the 30th year of our participation programme coming soon. To reiterate Fiona's words, we can't wait to celebrate it with you in our 2018-19 to season.